welcome to another episode of Stanford Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. Today, we've got Laura Lewis Barr, the award-winning stop-motion filmmaker and educator. If that name sounds familiar, we did have Laura on the show last year when we covered Dinner in America, one of my favorite episodes from a year ago, and quite frankly, one of my favorite movies that I saw last year. But today, she's bringing my actual favorite movie from uh, last year, and we are going to be covering everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. You're going to hear me nerd out very, very extensively on this film for the next hour. So let's just dive right on in, and let's hear from uh, our wonderful guest herself, Ms. Laura Lewis-Barr. Laura, hello. How are you? Welcome back. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited to be with you. Oh, I'm 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 thrilled. We had such a great conversation uh last season. That was such a fun movie. And thank you very much for for introducing it to me. I uh I, I've told everybody about it. I love the soundtrack. I go back to the music of that movie and it's it was fun. And I appreciate you for uh for you know really expanding my world. That's one of the things I love about this podcast is when somebody shows me a movie that I haven't quite seen before. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. Now, what is new? And by the way, for the listeners, we were talking about dinner in America last year. This year, we're going to be talking about something completely different. But before we get into that, what is new with you? What have you been working on? I have been doing films like I do in my basement in Chicago. And I've gotten into a film cooperative out of mostly Brooklynites I meet every week with these amazing filmmakers and we look at each other's stuff and we make it better. Mm -hmm. So I'm inching back into feeling inspired to do a full length screenplay, which I think you're doing that stuff. Yeah. Because to have a group of eyeballs on it uh, helps me feel a little, little, little bit more confident, but I've been making these five, 10, 15 minute films where the arc is really easy. You know, I can hold it in my hand and this feature is kicking my butt. Um, what a different experience, but also really fun. So that, and then I'll get back, back to the basement. Can't wait to get back to the basement. I had a wonderful time over just the past couple of days Admittedly, I wish I could do, say I'm super on top of it. And when I first uh, when somebody first refers something to me, I look at it immediately. But I, I do. It, it does take me a little while, but I've had the wonderful pleasure of playing on your YouTube page and going mm. through the videos. And they're, they're so much fun. Mm. I, I you know, I've really, really enjoyed this recent series that you've that you put together. And I I can't stress enough just how cool I think everything that is that you're doing and the attention to detail now the from like the from the talent that you've got you know working with you and and doing the the voiceover work who 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 who's helping you with these projects local chicago actors i'm so blessed because i'm a zero budget operation you know it's them and me and uh yeah they lend their amazing talents because you know I think we all believe you got to do the work, put yourself out there and, and see what happens. But 
Yeah, they're fantastic. And I got used to during COVID times, just having them send me um, audio files. And it's a lot more work that way for me. But, you know, it's just in our busy lives, then they just do it and send it. And yeah, it's it's great. Chicago actors. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, recently you've the, like that, that two travelers series has been, so I, what is it? Three or four parts? Three. Three parts. So yeah, just been, been a little fun, a little brothers grim stuff. And it's, it's, it's really, and I I don't want to turn this into just like hyping Laura, although like, I do want to like (laughs) hype you a little bit because it's really, really great stuff. And this is something that it's inspiring just to see what independent filmmakers, what they, what they can do, you know, in, in their own basement, whatever, whatever type of art they're creating. So, uh, psyche cinema, definitely. Am I pronouncing it right? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, you know, uh, I'll have the link to your, to your page in the show notes, but I applaud everything that you're doing. It's just so cool. It really is. It's really neat. And, uh, keep up that good work. Let's talk about those dolls a little bit, uh, for those listeners that, you know, maybe, um are discovering it for the first time how how do you put this how do you put all of this together what are you doing and if you can talk to us a little bit about these dolls sure so i i might have said this last year but i started doing stop motion because i bought a camera and i wanted to teach myself the camera and i didn't want to make live actors wait as i tried to figure it out And then um, these 11-inch dolls, Barbies, and uh, G.I. Joes, and dolls of that size, um, I fell in love with the fact that I could put together films on my own. So I have a metal um, stage. I learned to put magnets on the feet of these dolls. Sometimes I'd operate them, put the magnet on the bottom of the feet. And uh, yeah, then... All my theater background and some of my film background, uh, I just started staging. And then the fairy tales worked really well. And uh, yeah, so I'm figuring it out. I'm I'm teaching myself, really. You know, you, you take Barbies, you take G.I. Joes, you take whatever, whatever it is that you've got, you know, uh, any type of figurine and being able to create stop motion, you can still create a narrative and for any any aspiring filmmaker, whether you've got a budget or not, you can still do something really unique. And obviously, you've done uh, kind of like the festival circuit, and you're you're doing different things to kind of create your own your own path. And that's something that should definitely be uh, applauded. And please keep it up because it, it it is a lot of fun. And I love the groundwork and kind of like the bluegrass, kind of like a. Uh, is that the right phrase? I don't think so. But uh, just the the approach that you're doing on YouTube and everything with it is just really cool. So, well, it's amazing how, and I don't know if this is true in your work, but just hearing that from somebody can help me go another day because there's so much content out there. Those of us who are putting it out there, <clears throat> there's still a lot of rejection, man, and. So, you know, I have my dark nights of the soul and talking to people like you, it it makes such a difference. And I'm starting to do some private screenings and I'm starting to do um, work with organizations that are into fairy tales and psychology. So I'm 
because for me it's not enough to just make them they they have to have a life somebody's got to see them and uh, that seems to be happening so Mm -hmm. yeah have you thought like what what are you thinking about doing next at all or you just just kind of whatever strikes you that day are you working on something right now well besides this massive screenplay i have a like a a two-minute short that's waiting to be made and I'll let your listeners get the heads up on it. It's it's a short allegory about chickens who are at a, um, a convention, the chicken convention, and they're arguing about what kind of sauce they should be cooked in. An allegory about how, especially in capitalism, we lose our sense of you know what's possible Mm. and so these chickens only see the possibility of what sauce they will be cooked in and that's not my original idea i'll make it mine um that's based on an old socialist fairy tale that i read that i really dug and so i do love to either do fairy tales grim or move into these kind of political i have a few more politically oriented tales well, that's a really, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm excited. I, th- this is just fun. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of geeking out because we, we spoke almost a year ago and that was so much fun. And now like, again, you just get inspired by, by artists and, and just seeing how their brain works and what it is that they're working on and just where the, the ideas where, where their inceptions are. And it, it's just fun. And all it, all it does is just get your own creative juices flowing as far as, you know, this is what they're doing. What are things that I can be doing? How can I be creating my own art? And so, it's like I said, it's just very, very inspirational. And it, it's fun just to see the early stages of of an idea where its inception is. And and then just the, um, I don't know, the, the the positive outlook at what it can become. So I, uh, I I just say keep on keeping on. And I can't wait to to hear what's coming out next, you know, and and having those conversations. So. Thank you. Yes. So, Laura, shall we get into everything everywhere all at once? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, first and foremost, uh, before we talk about what this movie is, what this movie is about, I want to know, why did you want to talk about this film? Because when I watched it the first time, and I think this was before some of the hype was happening about the film, I was just shocked at how it felt like it was tapping into this moment in a mm-hmm. way that was really as not and this moment for young people, especially young women, but young people in general tapping into the pain of a certain generation. And I just and they did it in a way that was so, um, wow, it's just kind of embedded into the fabric of the film. And so they can speak to this issue. They're speaking to an issue um, for our time. I don't know. I just can't remember film doing it that successfully sure. before. At its core, this is a, well, what, what, I mean, shoot. This is a comedy, action, drama, family love story uh right i mean there, there's a lot of things going on right uh you can whittle it down and say it's a story of a chinese american immigrant family who 
uh, owns a laundromat and they're recently being audited by the IRS and the, the matriarch discovers that there's this parallel universe uh, that she needs to kind of discover within herself and, and, and alongside her, her different version husband have to get in contact with all the different versions of herself. Uh, otherwise, the multiverse is going to implode upon itself because there's this really horrible entity, uh, Jobu Tabaki. Uh, I mean, super complicated, right? I mean, none of that. You just say that. It's like, all right, this is what and that's what the movie is, right? That's what I mean, if you were to say it as a plot, that's what it is. But really what this movie is, it's about family. It's about love. It's about finding happiness. It's about acceptance. It's about um understanding family understanding it's about appreciation you know like it's there's it's such a grandiose thing this movie is everything everywhere all at once but when you really break it down it's that th those family kind of vibes and it's told through uh, a narrative that we haven't often seen one obviously i mean we, we've had films told through the eyes of of women but not necessarily uh asian uh, American immigrants that are that are struggling business owners that they're dealing with their own internal family problems, right? I mean, it, it's it, this is different. It's a different movie, but it's also a badass fucking action film too. Uh, I mean, there's just so much going on, but and it's also about being a mother, being a child, you know, being a husband. Again, the whole family dynamics. This movie does cover so much. So if you think that you're just going into a movie watching uh, uh, Chinese American immigrants being audited by the IRS, you're gonna be you're gonna be pleasantly surprised when this movie is far much more than that, right? Well done, Andrew. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, beautiful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I know the the few people I know that haven't really liked this film seem to get really hung up on understanding the time travel and getting really or not time travel. it is time travel it's it's multiverse travel um and you're right i don't think that is what the film is about i think that is a device that makes the film amazing um but it there's a there's a a real clear emotional narrative that is and and it's been written by two white dudes right i don't know how they did that um how they tapped in to these different characters but uh yeah you're so right it's a it's a love it's a love story and for me well, yeah it's a family love story right mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, I kind of glossed over the plot, but just for also the listeners, what else do you need to know? I mean, the movie has it all. Uh, you've got paper cuts, you've got hot dog fingers, you've got tax <laughs> auditing, laundry mats, martial arts, uh, googly eyes, a little anti-Semitism, uh, fanny packs, uh, people eating chapstick, bagels, rocks. Uh, what else do you need? A little 2001 Space Oddity data uh from the goonies and uh why not dildos right i mean it has it's got a little bit of everything but uh from a cast perspective the movie as you mentioned was made by the daniels uh daniel kwan and daniel uh Seinart, uh produced by or brought to the film uh the world by a24 who are like on the forefront of like really really great independent cinema 
uh, a lot of really good independent horror films. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, who uh, obviously was in Crouching Tiger and a James Bond movie back in the 90s and a myriad of other great things. Uh, Jenny Slate, who uh, she's has a small role in this. Jennifer, I'm um, not Jennifer. Um, oh, my God. Why did I just forget her name? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Uh, Kihu Kwan, who, again, for my generation, we knew him as Data from the Goonies or Short Round from um, Indiana Jones uh, and Temple of the Doom. Am I forgetting anybody? Stephanie did Sue. She, yeah, is she the daughter? The daughter. Stephanie? Yeah. Stephanie Sue. Yeah. So she's the daughter, a.k.a. Um, uh, Joe Butubaki um, uh, and all the other versions of names that they gave her throughout this film. Uh, the movie was made on a budget of a, you know, modest budget of, I don't know, 10 to 20 million dollars, which <laughs> ton of money. But for a big film, uh, right. when you say 20 million dollars, it means nothing. Now, obviously, you're doing what you're doing for far less. Uh, <laughs> but when you look at big films, I mean, movies, I mean, Avatar was made for what, like a billion dollars, right? Uh, you know, so you look at a movie like this made for chump change. Massive success it made $135 million at the box office, which is really incredible for uh, an independent film. And then just rode that joke all the way through Oscar season, you know, like award season, winning seven of the 11 um, nominees, including Best Picture, Best Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Editing, Screenwriting. I think there might be another one that I'm missing. And then um it, it just goes on and on and on and shout out to uh michelle yo for being the, the first asian uh american actress to win best actress and just the great comeback story for kihu kwan who hadn't been doing anything for a couple decades uh and uh gets a supporting oscar nod and jamie lee curtis who's been around forever and had never won any awards for anything and um dedicated her oscar win to all of us uh genre junkies who enjoyed the her uh her 70s 80s reign as the scream queen so that was fun uh as a uh, horror film junkie to get a little like little like hey we did this kind of uh <laughs> moment which was kind of cool so anyway i kind of commandeered that section but just wanted to kind of just do a little statistic segment if you will sure yeah yeah, it's um, I had the thought and now it's gone. So oh, shit, I'm let me, sorry. Let me, no, no, no. Let me pull back, pull back thinking about the. Oh, yes. I, I guess I was just going to say that. For me, it all starts with the script. It's a it's a perfect. Well, I, for me, it's not a perfect film. The hot dog fingers. <laughs> uh, just yeah part was a little and i had a little so problem random. with dinner in america with the with the bodily fluid so there's always right. something for me that's a little but um but the script mm -hmm. the script there's a line where the husband says to the wife the the husband from another time says to the wife you've had so many colossal failures <laughs> in your life that have brought you to this moment. And I could relate to that so yeah. much. And yeah. I just thought, wow, we're in for something else, right? I mean, it's just, it's so smart. So, it so, is. so smart. 
You're you're a hundred percent right. And lines like that is to kind of like coincide with another movie that uh, that I, that I've seen recently. There's a movie called Vengeance, and it um, it came out in 2022 as well. But there's like the final line in this movie is this whole conversation about regrets. The character says no regrets, and this woman says life is all about regrets. It's those regrets that that affect us, right? I'm, I'm completely paraphrasing that right now, right? So we have we our lives go through these regrets. Make those regrets count, right? Mm. So in the way that this movie is, you know, like those fail all those failures have brought you to this point, right? We we aspire for perfection. We we aspire to have everything in our life go according to plan, the way we want them to. But our lives are really kind of are defined by those failures, right? Mm. It's those failures, the things that we learn about ourselves, those those moments. Now, not to say that the successes don't shape us because they do, but it's what you learn about yourself through adversity, right? Even to use a like a sports analogy, when you take a game like baseball. The whole idea of baseball is really about failure. The whole thing about baseball is when they talk about statistics, like a three hundred batting average. That means you've only actually succeeded 30% of the time. You oh. failed 70% of the time, right? Mm. It's those those elements of, of of baseball. It's those elements of life that really explain or really help us determine where, where we're going to go forward. What do we learn from? What do we learn from our failures? Um, if you've had everything go right all the time, that very, very self-gratifying in the sense you've never failed, but what have you really learned? What, how has that actually benefited you um, in kind of like a philosophical sense? If, I don't know, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. I mean, I, firstly, I think I basically learned through failure. That's the only way I think I really, I can get some knowledge, but really learn in that wisdom kind of way. It's got to be failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was so relatable because of that, because she wanted she had such high standards as we often put on ourselves. But, yeah, she couldn't make it with her husband or her daughter or business. So, yeah, it it was just a, a deep dive into all these characters that felt so real, especially for me, the daughter. Mm hmm. How lost she was and how the two of them were struggling to get to the mother and the daughter and the giant bagel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. And, you know, I'll never, I'll never be a mother. I'll never be a daughter, but I'm, I am always fascinated by that mother daughter dynamic because they're always, at least in my experience between my sisters and my mother. And then when my mother refers to her mother and their relationship that there is just this, I don't want to say combative relationship, but there is an element of that that exists between uh, just a woman, like a woman trying to raise a woman and kind of like this power struggle that exists. And and then just trying to find peace within within themselves and understanding their own place and and trying to make sense of it and. Sometimes you you might be throwing objects at, e- at each other or sometimes you do have that emotional connection, which is why I think part of the reason why this movie works so well is because you you've got this really, really sweet scene, which the, for 10 minutes or so with no dialogue, it, it's just a couple of rocks 
sharing an emotional <gasps> oh, yeah. moment with each other, right? I mean, it, it's right. so not that I'm, tra- I'm trying to like fast forward and, and say, hey, let's talk about our favorite scenes, but that is such a great moment of just exploratory um, maternal um, discussions within each other. And it, it, it's it's great. It, it, it's wonderful. And the movie's so freaking beautiful. I can understand uh, to your point where people that you have known that it's not necessarily their vibe. And I get it. I can understand this is not a movie that's going to please everybody. It, there's so much going on. Um, you're asking people to take a leap when you're going to have a little fight scene. And um, there's a couple people with, you know, uh, dildos in their butts, right? I mean, you're, there, there's a leap <laughs> when you're you're asking people like, hey, this is going to happen. Just go with it. Just right. go with it, right? Uh, because throughout all that chaos where you're getting everything everywhere all at once, the story still is about about that relationship and um, Michelle Yeoh's character and then her daughter, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie Sue. I, I apologize if I'm butchering her last name, but that is the driving force behind that. Obviously, uh, Wayman as the the paternal uh, uh, patriarch of the family and, you know, uh, again, data from the Goonies wonderful everybody is it's so beautifully acted i think is what's more fascinating than anything is for text that is as dense as it is and subtext that is somehow even more dense there is this level of intimacy and simplicity and, and like emotional weight that these actors are able to channel and really understand what the the lines that they're delivering, so to speak, to the script that you're talking about, but just even the lines that they're not saying, but just even the moments that they're sharing uh, and communicating with each other, it, it, it's 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 just a very very beautiful film, and this is just kind of like a uh, to use the French term like chapeau. There's just like a little like chapeau, like tip of the cap of we can get movies right. You know, it might not necessarily please everybody. But this is one of those movies that I think is going to have a lasting effect that when the BFI do their like the sight and sound like best films of an era, I think this is a movie that they're going to go back to. And this is a movie that will be uh, critically like analyzed for years to come because there is just so much going on. But we are still people. Right. And just understanding family dynamics those are those are what we like. It's, you, you just to use another Asian movie. You take like a film like Tokyo Story from what 60, 70 years ago. I mean, it's still every bit as impactful now as it was then. This is just gonna have a little bit more special effects and told through a little silly lens, but still just a very, very beautiful film. I apologize, uh, Laura. I'm just rambling away. You just no. latched into a movie that I love, so I'm just going on this tangent. So I'm I apologize. So happy. No, yeah. You really, you really are beautifully describing the mixture of comedy. It's got so much comedy, but it also has so much pain. Mm-hmm. And I guess that jaw-dropping moment of watching the suicidal grief of the daughter, mm-hmm. the lack of meaning in her life, the fact nothing means anything as you were saying earlier that's that moment where i feel like they're tapping into this pain of our culture 
and um taking us on a ride um you know the mom i didn't know how the mom was gonna bridge that gap of this daughter who is leaving her Mm -hmm. who is leaving and so yeah they really they really went to deep deep places that's what i appreciated about this film um because they could have just done a silly martial arts film um and that could have been fun but no they they took us on a journey about um what what does our current life mean mm-hmm. and and i guess i also want to say and i'm reading ulysses right now in a in a jungian group and and one of the things this jungian analyst said about ulysses that i think applies to this is he he said reading this book is a defeat for the ego you can't expect yourself to understand it there's a probably unconscious that there's stuff we get unconsciously but that we can allow a work of art to extend extend beyond our ability to really even understand it we can we can feel it we can feel the rhythms we can feel we can feel how we can see how it makes us feel and when everything all at once everything everywhere all at once started the movie just drops you in you know they're in the middle of the husband and wife are in the middle of a fight you don't know what the heck they're talking about there's no easy exposition you are just swimming and i think the ability to sort of um let that be i think is a really good um practice we should all have about art because then art that is more um complex we can engage with it we don't have to hold it back and say wait i will not engage because i don't understand it but instead i don't understand but wow something here something's going on here and the second time i watch it it's going to be just as much fun i mean that's and that's what i do try to do in my little films too um you know i just love films where a second viewing or a third viewing is equally great there there's always a, this conversation can you understand this movie in the first viewing and or any movie you ask somebody like oh you need to watch it more than once i i think you do need to watch this movie more than once but i do push back when people say you need to watch a movie more than one time to understand it i think you understand this movie the first time i think any good film you understand it the first time it's just repeated viewing you're able to get more out of it you're able to articulate more what you appreciate from this i think this movie is very easy once you get beyond trying to like it, it's harder to explain this movie than just to watch it and just understand it. Because, again, at, at its core, this is a movie about family. It's about love. It's it, it's about acceptance. Right. You know, it, it's about heartbreak. You know, there, there's all these just the natural human response in life is really what this movie is all about. Just that natural human response. Repeated viewings are just going to be able to help round out that it's kind of like seconds uh, seconds on like thanksgiving dinner you just now you're just getting more you're able to appreciate the turkey or the mashed potatoes or whatever analogy you want to use you're able to get this movie the first viewing it's just repeated viewings you're able to get 
you're able to taste a little bit more flavors. It makes a little bit more sense. You're able to articulate what it is about that that you appreciate. No? Well, I totally agree. I, I guess I would just add that I think for me, it might have taken 15, 20 minutes in <laughs> mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I start going, all right, I'm tracking now. I just think, you know, people who don't like the movie, I sometimes wonder if they get frustrated by the early moments. But gee, that used to happen to me watching The West Wing right. and uh, Secession. You know, it's complicated and it may take a moment for me to get what's happening. So switching gears, obviously, we, we've spoken a little bit about this movie as a general kind of idea, but I know you love the screenplay. I know that there is a lot to unpack. This was going on. What are what are some of your favorite scenes in this film? Yeah, I for me, I think it's and I'm not as concerned with spoilers because I just think it's out there now. So so in such a big way, um, the. The scenes with, um, wow, you said the evil name, Jojo Tabaki. Tabaki, yep. Mm-hmm. Jojo Tabaki. Yeah, when Jojo Tabaki first meets the mom in the hallway, oh my God. Yeah. The, the, what a metaphor for the teenage daughter having <laughs> a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And then the the whole, you know, wanting her to go into the bagel and wanting, I guess I just was so taken by getting to live in the the brain of this teenager Mm -hmm. or young adult. I, you know, she's maybe she's 18. I don't know, but she just her, her extremes, her, Mm -hmm. her grandiose. Uh, a power power thing and and her despair i mean going to those places with her were the places where i just could not yeah i loved everything about this movie except the hot dog hand moments (laughs) i couldn't uh, couldn't take it again you're asking a lot you're asking a lot (laughs) that 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 whole and grant i love the hot dog finger stuff so much i I love the weird, again, the weird martial art, mar, mar, ugh, weird martial arts fighting with um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the dildos. I'm sorry. There's no other way to really explain it. You know, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's completely over the top. It's so inappropriate and so weird. Uh, but yet I'm, I'm on board, you know, I'm like, all right, hot dog finger world. <laughs> this is so crazy. And and insane and on the page and like even telling a studio executive that's what i want to know more than anything is what did that pitch meeting look like <laughs> by the way this is what we're going to have in the film and yeah you, you got these a24 executives who you know they'll they're a lot more flexible than some of the other executives but still be like wait wait you you want to do what well they've got hot dogs for fingers and it's this weird relationship between Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh and they it, eat each other's fingers and then yeah they 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 you know they they put like mustard and you know they're just putting their hot dog fingers in each other's mouth it's weird right. it's right it, it shouldn't work and maybe it doesn't work but i don't know i'm i'm along for the ride well, everybody's committed a zillion percent. There's mm-hmm. no holding back. So Jamie Lee Curtis, 
yeah, she's jaw-droppingly good. Just her, just the way she takes on this posture of this government bureaucrat who's eaten too many donuts and, you know, becomes a, you know, the, the metaphor of the monster bureaucrat. It's just everybody commits a zillion percent mm-hmm. to this and you can't, yeah, you can't fault it. There's just, they're all in. Yep. I love the fanny pack fight scene uh, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, again, he eats chapstick because that's, uh, for the for the listeners, there are different things that queue up you connecting with your your parallel universe uh, self, and you have to do these weird random acts. One of which is Ki Hu uh, Kwan eats chapstick and it unlocks this badass martial artist. But the only weapon he has at hand is his fanny pack, and he uses that to uh, fend off some some foes. And what's great is. He does essentially every one of those stunts uh, in that scene, and it's so cool. And to see, again, Data from the Goonies just whoop some ass just with nothing more than a fanny pack, It's it was epic. I loved it. it. It tapped into, again, I love the emotional element, but I also do love the action in this movie and just the, the, uh, the, the creative uh, looks at uh, at a at a fight scene. It it was not it was unlike many fight scenes. There was like a little Jackie Chan kind of uh, element to it, which was fun. Uh, again, Michelle Yeoh obviously had worked with Jackie Chan in the past, and she's no slouch herself. Um, but it was really good just to see him do that, and then have that emotional weight uh, where he, he delivers kind of like the. I like to thank the Academy uh, scene where he's like, um, even though you have broken my heart yet again, I want to say in another life, I would have really loved to just doing laundry and taxes with you. Just kind of like the waterworks moment when he delivers that line. It's like short round from, from Indiana Jones, you just broke my heart. It was just beautiful. I mean, there, there's, if you haven't already told, uh, could tell, I thoroughly, thoroughly love this movie. And again, like I said, to do this movie justice, I would be on here forever. But I so I'm just trying to cram as much as I can really quickly. And so I apologize if uh, if I'm if at any time I'm uh, speaking over you. It's just when you said, let's talk about this movie. I'm like, thank you. This is <laughs> this is, you know, this is. Uh, yeah, you, you chose a movie last time that I had never seen thoroughly enjoyed. This time you chose a movie that was one of my favorites. And it's just like, all right, now you give me a soapbox just to go on and <laughs> talk about the billion things about this film that I love. So anyway. Well, you know, you talk about the fight scenes and there are some amazing fight scenes, the fight scene where the one character is throwing their dog as a weapon. And um, and and I guess I just want to add that I love these characters. I care about them. And that makes the difference in the fight scene. It's like I am emotionally worried for Mm -hmm. these characters that I love where a lot of fight scenes in a lot of movies i just don't care right you know it's fascinating but um they i love them and i want them to succeed mm-hmm. no that that's really really true you know what's funny is there's very few versions of is it evelyn is michelle yo's character evelyn I, I can't believe i've seen this movie so many times i can't even remember her character's name i want to say it's evelyn but that can't be right is that that oh, sounds... and it is, yeah, it's Evelyn. But really, 
Evelyn is so mean to virtually everybody in this movie, right? Obviously, there, there's marital troubles, but her husband's a bit more of a burden. She, you know, like the little googly eyes thing is always, is a pain in the ass to her. Uh, she is not very accepting of her daughter. There is a little bit of anti-Semitism in that Jenny Slade, she only calls a uh, big nose in there. Um, everybody is a form, uh, is an, ha- she has an adversarial relationship with everybody in the film. And that's not by accident. That's obviously something that's very, very intentional. So within our own universe, we are, we're the good guys of our, you know, we're the hero of our own universe, but perception is, it's our reality versus maybe how other people perceive us. And obviously Wayman is serving divorce papers and uh, her daughter has a very um, strength, you know, strained relationship because she's not very accepting of the fact that, that she's gay. And again, she's uh, not very super nice to her, her clients at her laundromat. Right. So um, the, the movie does a great job of tackling those, the, the, that, that gray line, if you will, we, we know our protagonist, but our protagonist isn't necessarily um, 100% redeemable. And yet that's okay, because we were along on this journey, we are being told through her eyes. So you do see that sense of humanity, you do see these different versions of herself. But what I go back to, not that like critics uh, really hold much weight. But when I try to explain this movie, I I've, I've read so many different things. So like, what's the best way that I can sum up this movie? And Peter Travers, who's a critic that's been around forever. I don't necessarily love everything that he does, but something that he says is, what is this movie saying exactly in the rare moments when it stops zipping through a culture of nihilism and pause for reflection? That running dysfunctional family is not a job for wussies. And that flashes of lives that might have been are no match for the lives we're actually living. So again, we, we talked earlier about regret. Um, and we look at different elements, those different versions of our lives, that things that could have happened, things that it could have been, people that we could have been, they're no, they have no, they're all important, but they they're there's nothing more important than the the life that we're in at this moment, right? The woulda, shoulda, coulda, uh, how we could have done this, how we, we could have handled that, uh, whether they're adversarial in the past and how you look at different things and relationships change. The moment that you're in right now, nothing's more important. If nothing matters, if nothing matters, then everything we do is every bit as significant or insignificant. Um, I just went on five different tangents simultaneously. <laughs> and Lori, you are the best, most gracious uh, guest on here. Just as I'm talking this movie out, trying to make sense of it. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna zip up for a little bit. I I defer to you. I give you the floor as I just try to uh I don't know. Um I, well I love that uh quote that you read. Um I go to a different place because to me the film uh, feels like it advocates the imaginal life and Mm. that what if we put ourselves into all these different spaces in our mind and have as many lives as we can have so that um, 
so that I can have um, a fuller, a fuller mind, a fuller personality. I, I think there's a place for the imagination. We live in such a literal society. And so like even fairy tales give us a moment to sort of embody, well, films in general do that. So films are a tool that we can use to live other lives. We can do that in our imagination. And I think we should not as an avoidance of the real life, but I think imagination is also real and we need to engage with the imaginal world more, our own imaginal inner world. Now, you know, I am steeped in Jungian psychology. So, I mean, that's what that is about. Do have active imaginations to work out issues that you could read this film as that. Right. You know, and so I'm going to imagine this encounter with my daughter because I cannot figure out how to reach her. Mm. And sometimes that imaginal work we do makes real change in the quote real life. Now I went off on a tangent. No, no, that's far more eloquent and poetic than my meandering around around mm. the point. So your mm. conciseness was uh, very much appreciated. Uh, so, um, what else would you like to talk about this movie? I, I think we've covered, like I said, in an abstract, we covered this film. But what else would you like to talk about? I don't want to keep you all night or anything. But what else do you want? What else do you go back to? What else do you think about? Yeah. You know, I, I guess just the ending. Mm. I, I, I think endings are so hard, mm-hmm. and finding a good ending in a film, and this film really earns its ending of love. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if this movie has a lasting impact for me, just like Shakespeare, you know, these great scripts, these great dramatists who show us that love wins but not in some sappy icky way but in a real humanist way i i just admire the film so much for that because it wasn't sappy it it didn't pull punches as you say mm-hmm. she is odd man she is a mess mm-hmm. there's a lot of grief but there's a lot of love yeah. yeah, I'm just grateful for that. Laura, I've once again thoroughly enjoyed this. And again, I, I, I'm i sorry if I went on a, a few too many tangents, uh, but I, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed talking about this movie. I, I've enjoyed chatting with you. As always, you have an open invitation anytime you want to talk yeah. about something. You're, I know that you're always going to choose something amazing. Uh <laughs> Next time you come on, I'll let you uh, completely lead the conversation and I'll I'll, I'll try not to uh, interrupt. But I I thank you. I, I, I love I, I love the conversation that we've had. I love the work that you are doing. Please don't stop. I uh, uh, I want I want to see more again. The uh, for the listeners, just, you know, Psyche Cinema on YouTube. Definitely, definitely check out uh, Laura's work. It, it's wonderful. It's so much fun. And again. Uh, I'm I'm a recent fan, but I'm you know like I said I'm a subscriber, and I'm going to share your uh, your show notes and everything. So keep up the good work and stop motion, uh, man. 
it's it's not a new art form, but it's there are so many fun new ways that you can do and create it. And I think you're doing some really wonderful stuff. And I love that you've got local uh, Chicago uh, talent helping you along the way. It's wonderful. Thank you. I love your passion. Thanks for sharing it with the world. It's healing. It's healing. Your passion and your passion fits the film, you know, it's a perfect match. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And um, yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll chat again uh, sometime soon. Thank you. Once again, many, many thanks to Laura for returning to the show. And thank you so much for her choosing just one of the one of the great, great films of of recent memory, certainly my favorite film of 2022. And if you are still listening, take a look at those show notes because I've got links to her YouTube page as well as her website where you can learn more about Laura. And, and also, if you take a look at those show notes, you can find access to my website, stampercinema.com. If you are new to the show, please do me a favor and subscribe. Leave a review. Uh, reviews are always wonderful. And, and uh, yeah. Really, that's about all I've got for you today. I feel I've already been chatting way too much for one particular episode. So let's just wrap this one on up. We'll see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema.